Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are heading to Canada to talk with Peter Ponza. Peter had a successful career in dentistry, writing articles, and even being an associate publisher for Dentourist magazine. He is also part of the Wordsmiths Writers Group and the Crime Writers of Canada. His newest book, Outfoxed, a William Fox Adventure, is out now and ready to be enjoyed. So, Peter, welcome to the RV. Hey, glad to be here. Morning to you. Good morning. First of all, a big thank you for your article in the Relatable Voice magazine. Oh, you're quite welcome. And I'm glad to see uh, that it's getting some press. It's great. Everywhere mm -hmm. I look on, on Facebook, I see the magazine. It's terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, we will keep promoting and publishing this magazine. And Peter, as a devoted British car enthusiast, could you share the story of your most unforgettable road trip in one of your beloved British cars and what made it so memorable? Well, there's been so many. Um, it would be really difficult to start, but if we're looking at competitive tests, um, I have a 1997 uh, XK8, uh, it's a coupe. And I used to use that for learning how to drive on the track and also for um, uh, Car Concorde the Elegance with the Jaguar Clubs of Canada and the United States. And one time our group was going down to Cleveland. So we drove down to Cleveland and there was a big car show there. And um, during the car show, we had um, the uh, Concordia Elegance, we had the um, Slalom Racing, and um, we had some sort of other events too, the rally. So we had entered in all three of those. So uh, Angela, my wife, came with me. We used the same car. So we uh, got in the rally first, and we were doing quite well. She was fine with me. We are going left and right. And all of a sudden, we had this incident where this train came across the tracks, slowed down the whole rally, and threw everything off. Um, and we we were actually going to come in third, but because they rearranged the way the timing was done, we came in fourth. So we're a little disappointed on that. But then the next event was the um, how was that? Oh yeah, that was a Concorde. No, no, that that was the that was the track day. Yes, we did we did well there. 
we did the slalom racing. I think I came in second and actually came in third. Didn't do too well on that. But we, we could usually would come in first because we're both pretty good, but we were up against quite a few good drivers. Then the third event was the Conquer the Elegance. So afterwards, we had to go and wash the cars and put them all in a row and um, get them. And we came in fourth on that, too. So we weren't doing too well. But we met some friends, and we came down with a group, and we had all nice drinks and parties and uh, moving around. It was like one of the nicest weekends I can remember. And that was 2011, and I bought a nice, a nice red T-shirt with the logo on it. It was the 50th anniversary for the Jaguar XKE. And um, I still have that that T-shirt. It's holding up quite well, I have to admit. Um, but that was one of the most uh, exciting ones we had because we had three events that drive all the way down to to uh, Columbus, Ohio. That's where it was. it was a really interesting trip all the way around. Mm-hmm. So, I love seeing these cars. I believe that it's a very good community because once a year people meet up and then they go to restaurants. So I really like this. Kind no, of- I, I still enjoy it. I've gone through quite a few. I've had MGBs, I've had a Jaguar XK I had for about 15 years. And I used to take that to all kinds of shows and concourse. It was a real winner. I mean, I've got a wall of trophies for that particular one. Wow. But uh, we traded that in, and right now I'm, I'm, I've got a Aston Martin DB9, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, is a Volante convertible, which is what we do now. We just pack a picnic. I have a con- um, little table that you can kind of open up, and and, uh, and we go for picnics along Riverside or wherever we, you know, that's our Sundays basically. We just jump in the car. Where are we going today? And we'll find a spot and we'll go and we'll have a picnic and we'll come back. And it's just lovely to have the air, the wind in your hair and drive around with the top down. I've been a convertible guy ever since I was 18. Wow. My first MGB. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I saw your DB9 convertible on your website. That guy is really beautiful. Oh, it's it's awesome. That's That's the dream come true. That's the, that's the, well... I'm sure people will notice and look at it when you're driving around with that car. I, I have gotten a few thumbs up on it, yes. Yeah. It, and the interesting thing about it, when I when I did buy it, I, I wasn't sure uh, I was going to be enjoying it, but it's really a very well-built car. I was impressed. But uh, some folks that I've been speaking about were suggesting I get in touch with the Aston Martin Heritage Trust and see if it was um, where it was basically in the in the hierarchy uh, of um, the building of it. And um, I did get a report back. And there isn't another car like that in the world. There's like a designation that it was one of one. So they gave me um, a four-page report uh, talking about where it was built. It was, it was gated and, of course, the colors and the, all the other different differentialities between all the cars with the serial numbers and everything. So it was pretty extensive, and I thought, the one car came close in the United States, but they had a panel, uh, panel colored uh, dash where mine was, uh, mine was uh, walnut or no, pardon me, mahogany and something like that. It was just a small differentiation, but it was enough to give it a designation of one of one. So it is one of one. And how old is it? It's a 2006. Oh, okay. It's, a, it's an area where it's like, you know, it's affordable for some. It's something that a lot of people would like to have, and, and uh, that was my dream. I had my XKE for 15 years, and I've, I felt it was time to move on to something else because um, it was standard. It was difficult to drive. It was unwieldy a little bit. 
but uh, it was a beautiful car. I, I just thought, you know, I'm getting older. I think I need something a little safer because this thing is really built well. And it's yeah. got the, uh, yeah, so. I, I don't want to bore you with cars because I could keep going. I mean, I was I was uh, president of a car club for, for, for two years and vice president for two years. And we yeah. taught cars all the time. I mean, the, the best way to get a man to get his attention is to, just to lift up the hood of a car. It's just pretty yeah. simple. We've got two or three men there looking inside. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, Peter, back to your career. You had an impressive journey in the dental field and your passion for writing. So I'm curious, uh, what inspired you to bridge these two words, like writing for dental and writing as a passion? There's no simple answer for that because it, it takes a... I knew I had to do something with my time after I retired when we sold the business. And um, I wanted to do something different. And I thought I'd have been writing for a lot of my, my career. And I thought I really had some interesting stories that I'd read over the years. And one of them was the Clive Custer used to write a lot of adventure books. And I have in my library, maybe about a dozen and a half of the books here. And I'd like to style. I thought, you know, I think I could give it a shot. Maybe I should. And what happened was the, the day we sold the business, I just thought, I signed the paperwork. The next day they had some, um, workshop at the library in, in, uh, in our, the closest town we live in. And uh, we, I signed up. My wife thought, you're crazy. I said, well, yeah, I probably am. But I mean, like, I want to do something different with my time. So we went to the workshop and I said, let's try it out. We did write a few little articles and uh, the, the, uh, the author was saying, well, you know, you could do this, do that. And then we had to go around the room and a lot of other people were giving uh, content. And I thought, you know, there's something here. Maybe Maybe we should give it a little bit more effort. So we went to a number of different workshops and eventually I started writing and oh, I got tired and I thought, you know what, uh, I'll give it up for a bit. And I came back to it and then I thought, let's give it a better shot. So I, I went to, uh, I took a course with the University of Waterloo on advanced fiction writing and that improved my, my skills somewhat. And I went back to it and I finally finished it. But the point I'm trying to make is that it was transitional. It just didn't happen. Uh, overnight, I just had to make a conscious uh, decision that I couldn't sit around doing nothing, and I I I didn't want to do this or that. I already was busy with my gardens, so I was working on my roses and, and gardens. We have rather large property here, so I thought, you know, I have to do something else intellectual to keep my mind sharp because I'm going to get really dull. I had a very busy life writing a lot of different things, and I wanted to continue keeping my mind sharp. I thought this is the best way to do it. So that's why I made that conscious decision to to just basically ease over. And I had to make sure I put my toe in the water that it, what I wrote was going to be, you know, I'll, I'll write. And when I felt that it, it was going to be acceptable, I thought that it better continued. So now I'm in, in that mode where uh, I'm doing the fire walk in my mind again. You know, mm -hmm. next book, I'm working on my next book now. And hopefully that uh, drives me. Forward. It gives me something to get up for every morning. I have my little room here where I do my writing. So, yeah, it's been quite the, the quite the journey. And also, you commented that the fire fire walk, and that you attended Tony Robbins' assemblies. A conference, yeah, it was a conference, yeah, yeah. He's still doing them. I'm 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 still uh, getting emails from him, and they continue to do them now. Uh, I think the pandemic uh, kind of ruined. Um, 
the idea of getting people together. So I think he built a big, huge studio, but I don't know how many monitors on it. So, but like the latest thing is that he did he did a seminar with over six hundred thousand people, and he's still continuing to do them by reaching out. And you know, you sign up and you and you go through it. And there's I think a lot of people could benefit from from what he has to offer. If not, it's not him, then someone like him. Because if you're if you're really wanting to go someplace, I think you really need to have that spiritualism behind you, your belief in something that's bigger and better than you, and uh, yeah, exactly. something that drives you. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peter, being part of the Crime Writers of Canada implies a genuine intrigue with the world of crime writing. I'm curious to know or to understand what captivates you about this genre. Although I am a romantic, uh, outwardly, um, I didn't think I could write about romance. Um, so that's the first answer to that. The second is I've been always intrigued by um, action action movies and action and uh, detective stories. I grew up um, watching a lot of detective TV. And so to me, it was probably the best thing to step into because I understood it. I understood a, a crime in that. So uh, the Crime Writers of Canada, um, I joined them because um, everyone there is in the same genre pretty well. So it's like a, a you, you know, join a group of people who are like-minded. And I have to tell you, Peter, I am really a fan of crime genres. I was writing a book about it. However, I hit a roadblock when I had to kill off two of my characters. And what happened is I felt a strong attachment to them. <laughs> it's so funny. But I said, no, maybe I can kill just one. Or maybe I don't need to kill anyone. But how do you have a crime if you don't kill one of your characters? So what happened is I ended up stopping my writing. So I want to know, for example, if you have ever struggled with deciding to kill off a character you were attached to? Yes. Pretty bold, a lot of them, because you do get attached to them. I, I did have some protagonists uh, that I really, really liked, but the antagonists were the ones who would usually would like to knock off, but I did a few of them. That one, I, I, did, I thought I made him despicable. I didn't mind losing him. And then there was another one I thought... Uh, um, I called him Renbo. He was in the first one. He was a Chinese spy. And I ended up liking him so much that, that he was almost like an alter ego to my protagonist. I thought, I can't get rid of him because, you know what, I'll use him in another book because I do like his character. And this is the thing. When you spend time um, yeah. creating creating a character, you know, you know their flaws, you know who they are, how they dress. What you know, the whole yeah. gambit of, of, of the personality. 
and you sometimes feel really attached and say like, no, I don't think I'm going to kill them yet. It happened to me, and now maybe in the future I will start writing it again, but I, I was not prepared <laughs> for this decision. And I think it's very common. This is something that happens a lot with writers. Uh, yeah, I believe you're absolutely right. This is the I get that impression too. And Peter, congratulations on your latest book. Could you give us a glimpse into the world of outfoxed a William Ford adventure? Yeah, William Fox um, is an RCMP inspector, and he, before he became an inspector, grew up in Korea with a girl named Tracy. They separated over the years because he moved back to Montreal, became the inspector. Um, but the parents never lost uh, um, touch with each other. Tracy became an anthropologist, was working on something very clandestine in China, and was kidnapped. And um, the father of Tracy's father approached William's father because they're girlfriends and said, could you get your son to help? And that's the beginning of the story. Basically, he's looking for her. And then in the in the, um, the trip that he takes to go to China to find her, uh, he is teamed up with Patrick Riley from the FBI because he has an interest because actually Tracy is a, a U.S. citizen. So it, that brings in the FBI. So um, the uh, story really is Patrick um, and uh, William looking for Tracy. And then, of course, we get involved with the uh, the gangs uh, of, of China. And uh, there was also the, the whole point of it was the treasure and the treasure that was uh, hidden uh, by Admiral Zhang He, who in 1421 had a very large uh, treasure fleet. And he was apparently, he had gone around the world with it. And uh, my premise was that perhaps he left some treasure in Canada and Tracy was looking for it. So there is there's some some thrills there's some chills there's some murders there's some romance that has a lot it's basically an adventure story mm -hmm. and right now it's not right now it's uh, it's out there i i can i think we debuted it um probably in february of this year ah oh, so it's very recent and as i can see your book takes readers across different locations like china canada even the u.s yeah, is that correct? Yes, no, no, that's yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And did you have the opportunity to visit these places for inspiration while writing your book, or you researched it online? I researched it online, yes. And, and I was fortunate enough to have an editor who spent China, time in uh, mainland China and who also spent a few years uh, working with the um, RCMP. And what a what a stroke of luck that I could find someone who understood um, Asia well enough to help me with with the um, the structure and the content of um, how how to set up. One of the things I found very fascinating was I didn't know because I was rather ignorant about it was that uh, the uh, in China uh, and I think in Korea just as well uh, you put the last name first, so you address the person with their last name. Uh, which we didn't know at the time. And so I had to rearrange uh, my book to suit that. We tried to follow as much as we possibly could about the nuances of, of the country and mm -hmm. hopefully make make it fresh. 
I felt it was a little bit too, like during um, the pandemic when I was writing it, I, I couldn't possibly go to China, although I would have been wanting to go and see such a beautiful country. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is. It's, it has a beautiful history and everything. Politically mm -hmm. speaking, I'm not fond of it, but it, but uh, but the country itself, uh, I think, is just marvelous. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I really want to visit China and I was reading about your book on, on Amazon and the storyline delves into historical connections, especially the quest for evidence tied to Ming Dynasty artifact. Yes. I'm not wrong. So how was your research process to integrate these historical components into the fictional narrative, because I think it's quite of a lot of work. Hmm? It is a lot of work because um, ceramics, which are worth quite a lot of money these days, there are two types of ceramics. Um, there's, a there's a traditional regular ceramic and then there's a royal ceramic, which is the one that uh, would be would have been on the ship that was sailing around because historically speaking, um, the uh, ambassadors and the delegates on, on treasure ships that were going from one country to another, basically where they were ambassadors of China, and they were showering each country with gifts and ambassadors and taking people back to China. They were opening up the world at the time, mm -hmm. uh, way before Columbus, and uh, they were using only the best of everything and the best tapestry, the best China, the best of, of the world. So when I did write, the, when the story was written, I try to make sure that they, they use the Ming Dynasty uh, ceramics with a special seal on the bottom. So in order to do that, I had to actually spend some time learning a little bit more about um, Ming Dynasty ceramics. Mm -hmm. So yes, there, there was, if you wanted to make something that's as realistic as possible, uh, you really have to take a journey through it. You know, this is what makes, uh, I think, it's so much fun for authors to, if you take on a project and you want to learn about what you're with where your your setting's going to be. You know, you, you, you broaden your horizon. Every, every bit of information you pick up always adds something to who you are. And, uh, it, it just makes things better. But it's like, again, it's like education. But we never stop learning. Mm -hmm. And the more we open ourselves up to new things, the more we can grow. And we never stop growing, as I say. So. Well said. And Peter, can you share a little bit about the inspiration behind creating your main character, Inspector William Fox. Um, well, the, the backstory was that we, um, on one of our visits to um, Pili Island, um, I don't know where a lot of people would know where that would be. It's in the middle of Lake Erie, and one of, part of the Great Lakes. There used to be um, some. Uh, what they call rum running between Canada and the United States during Prohibition. And there was a, uh, that island uh, is very um, 
ecological as well for the monarch butterflies and the birds they stay there before they fly south so we went there basically on a trip i ended up in the, in the museum um one day and i was looking through it and i saw some pictures of the gangsters and whatnot and there was one thing that caught my attention it was about this story about um this chris craft um, boat called the midnight fox and uh, it had been smashed in half by the uh the U.S. Navy, because it was uh, famous for running booze around midnight or one o'clock at night. And I thought, well, that's very inspirational. So, and from there, I thought, the story was that the gentleman who was on it um, survived. He swam to shore. And I was thinking originally of just writing a story about him. And then um, I was going to call him William Fox, because the boat was called uh, the Midnight Fox. And then I thought, you know, Perhaps maybe if I bring it into the more modern times, uh, I could have him as his grandson, perhaps. And I thought, well, why don't we do that? Well, I, I can I can figure out something that way. So I didn't want to lose sight of the boat. So William Fox um, was born that way, but we kept the boat too. He does have a chance. If you've read the, anything about the, uh, the story at all, he does manage to get um, cigarette boat that was confiscated for drug. For drug running, and he did he bid on it at an auction. He and he ended up getting it. It's called the Midnight Fox. That that was the inspiration for William, and I've always kept that story about his grandfather in my mind. That maybe one day I might write about him. I saw that he employs some unconventional methods in his investigations. Am I correct? Well, I think yes. Some some people are more successful. Um, coloring outside the lines, shall I say, mm -hmm. um, because they, um, if you follow protocol, I mean, it's very strict from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes you have to do things in the field that you may not um, have a chance to, that you can't second guess yourself. You might just have to make a decision on the go in order to keep the situation under control. So yes, he does do that. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm curious to know if there were some authors who have played a role in influencing your writing. There have been. Um, Lee Child, for one. I, I like Jack Reacher as a character. Um, Michael Conley. Um, I like Bush or Bosch as a character. Uh -huh. um, there's a there's a number of them actually, but those are two of the bigger ones, and I like um, Daniel Silva and uh, Daniel Silva, uh, mm -hmm. Silva, he's, uh, Alan uh, Alan Galan, I think, and, and Sharon, who is his, uh, who is the um, Israeli Mossad uh, leader, uh, Gabriel Alan, I think, is the, is the hit man and the spy in that one, and uh, I think Daniel Silva must have quite a few books out now. Yeah, I like his stuff quite quite a lot, actually. In fact, uh, I'm rereading one of his other older books. But he's got a new book out there right now called The Collector. And, uh, of course, there's David Baldacci is another one that I, I, uh, I'm fond of. Um, and, of course, the original man who I used to re I read a lot of was uh, Clive Cussler. And <laughs> I just loved his stuff. They, they were pretty well, almost a lot of them were very, very similar with the treasure at the end or some sort of disease or something like that, like a plague ship or whatever. But he wrote some really action-packed stuff, which I really enjoyed reading. 
It's something you can just read and enjoy on the plane or on the beach or something like that. It's not intellectual much, I don't believe. It's not going to, well, I don't know. I shouldn't actually say that. That's my opinion. But mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's not like reading a, a Booker Prize or a Killer Prize book, which is a little bit uh, quite sophisticated in the writing style and the stories and whatnot. This is just meant to entertain. And I, I basically following the same kind of genre. I don't know if I really would like to sit back and write um, something in the, in that in that uh, level of writing. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Maybe in the future. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter, what is next for you? Are you planning to keep writing? Yeah, I actually am on the second novel now. My working title is After the Fox, but I don't think I'll keep that. Right now, it's a continuation in the series of uh, William Fox and uh, Tracy and uh, Patrick Roberts, the, the three main characters that I have. And so um, this one is going to be a little bit different, but it'll also take care of art in Asia as well. And with, with a little bit newer twist, it'll be about two years later than the earlier book in, in the setting. So, but um, I've, been, yeah, I've been working on it now in between gardening and, uh, and social life. It's, I'm not running to get it done. Uh, like the last one took me quite a long time, but I'm actually moving along a lot quicker than I had on the first than the first book. So I'm at uh, roughly around chapter 15. I'm still working on that. Maybe after we finish today, I'll perhaps get back to doing a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. And also enjoying the last days of summer is a good idea. Yes, because I don't know how it is in Spain, but here we've been getting a lot of rain uh, and our gardens aren't all that great. Um, The tomatoes are, are actually quite not that good. The lettuce has been fantastic. We've been having lettuce out of the gardens, uh, fresh lettuce for dinner quite often. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the last vestiges of summer are here. And yes, time to get the convertible out and get it in before before the uh, fall comes and we have to put it away again for the winter. Yeah, here in Spain is warm and humid and It's good to stay on the beach because it's really hot. But uh, I can't complain because I really love summertime. We love summertime because we are always around with the RV. And Peter, I would like to know if you have a message that you would like to share with our listeners. Um, Well, when it comes to moving forward um i would just say like that just follow your dream and and uh, do uh, everything possible don't hold yourself back and uh get yourself motivated even have uh, a little note on the mirror when you either you shave or you make up in the morning just have something there to remind you what you're doing or where you're going but set those goals and uh, yeah do a little bit every day to get there eventually you will it takes time You're in it for the, uh, the long trip, you know, yes. but a rewarding one. Yes, I agree completely. And also, I would like to know, and our listeners would like to know how we can find you online, Peter. Okay, so it's peterthomasponsa.com, and that will take you pretty well to my website. And there you'll be able to find all of the uh, links to buying the book or uh, going to the blog. 
uh, finding out what I've been up to. My interviews as well are there too. And uh, even even my article from Relative Voice is there. <laughs> Wonderful. I saw it. I was checking your website. <laughs> also, I want to leave a message for our listeners. So you can read Peter's article in the August issue of the Relatable Voice magazine at www.relatable-media.com. And Peter is telling us how he started the writing. It's a very interesting story. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the magazine and enjoy it. And also, Peter, it was delightful to talk with you yeah. and also coming to to, to Toronto, I mean, you were living in another city, but it was wonderful to come to Canada. And I would like to tell you that our doors are always open for you. And I want to hear more about your new things as soon as you have them. Hey, thank you. It was a real pleasure working with you. I really enjoyed it. You're delightful too. Thank nice you. speaking with you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.